We've been studying on disciple makers. This is going to be really informal. And uh, I'm kind of like Pastor Sam, though. I'd like to see you a little closer. I know we had a few few folks in here a little earlier taking up seats, but there's none of that right now. A couple of weeks ago, Josh talked about... Um, being euthanized, and that's simply being uh, dead to ourselves and dead to the world and, and being alive to Christ and, and uh, His mission and, and His business. And uh, last week, Pastor Sam talked about being synthesized, uh, which means we, we need to be integrated and, 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 uh, and being a mixture. You know, there's a lot of synthetics on the market and most synthetics are a mixture of one thing or another. And so that's what he was talking about last week, that we need to be synthesized into the uh, the work of the Lord. And we've been uh, going through all of these things, and I'm going to continue following his, his outline. And uh, all of these uh, euthanized and synthesized, and tonight we're going to be talking about being authorized, they're all found in, in Matthew, the 28th chapter, uh, verses 18 and 19. And uh, you can turn there if you want to. We're going to read it once again. And also, if you want to get a little head start, we're going to go to, to Luke chapter 9 tonight. Uh, so you can turn there if you would like and be ready for that. But in Matthew, the 28th chapter, verse 18 and 19, the Word says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you so much for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, that, that Lord, that we can gain insight, that we gain strength, that we gain so much, Lord, by the, the study of your word. And, and Lord, as we assimilate your word and, and what you intended it to be to us, Father, we gain knowledge and gain, Lord, the ability to do exactly what you commanded here, to go forth and make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, obviously, who's Jesus speaking to here in this particular passage? Disciples, that's correct. And, by the way, if I ask questions, it's okay to go ahead and answer out because, you know, that's, that's what we're doing. So, let me ask this. What was his command to them again? In this, this passage, make disciples, that's it. Now, it, it's interesting, there, there's a, a little clue in this, this verse that, that kind of grabbed me when I first read this. It says, go therefore. Now, I looked at the therefore, and of course, pastor always says, if you see a therefore, find out what the therefore is there for. So, we back up a little bit, and Jesus said to them, all authority, exousia, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, um, I'm going to talk about therefore first, and we'll go to, back and talk about exousia. So he said, all this authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And this word therefore, in this particular instance, you can use it. it it's, it's a synonym, if you will, for saying, and so. So read it that way. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so, go and make disciples of all nations. 
And you can put it that way because that's simply what it means. It means, okay, just now that I've said this, now go make disciples. Now, why do you think that he said that? Well, it's kind of, it's putting two thoughts together. Therefore, in this case, is is kind of a, uh, a conjunction like in grammar you know it connects two thoughts together and and one is and the other are separate parts and yet you connect them together with a conjunction it's kind of like in the, in the example that came to me when i was thinking about this was an 18 wheeler you know and you have the tractor and then you have the trailer and how many of you when you see one of these running down the highway you say oh look there's a tractor and a trailer you don't do that. You know, you look at it and there are two separate items there, but but in our minds they are connected. They're one. Oh, there's an 18-wheeler or there goes a truck. You know, the, we simply connect them together because they are joined together on the fifth wheel. The fifth wheel is the only thing that connects the tractor to the trailer. And this conjunction, right, the therefore, is the only thing connecting the first sentence to the second sentence. He says... All authority has been given me. All exousia has been given me. Now, go and make disciples of the whole world. So, why do you think he, he put it that way? If it was given to him, and yet he's telling the disciples to go and do this. Well, it's kind of, that's what we're going to look at tonight. Why did he say it that way? Why did he put it in that context? Why did he use the fifth wheel, so to speak, to hook those two sentences together and, and, and make the one thought. So if you will, let's turn to, to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read uh, the first, second, and then we're going to skip down to the sixth verse, okay? Chapter 9, verse 1, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this scripture. This was, uh, he, there were a lot of things going on. Jesus called his 12 to him. And we look at the, the 28th chapter of Matthew and we, we see that all authority was given to Jesus. Because he said it was. All authority has been given to me. But in Luke the ninth chapter, he said, "...has called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority." Now, now we're going to look at the two words here. The exousia, which we looked at in chapter 28 of Matthew, is the word authority. Now, if you've got the old King James Version, it actually says power here. This exousia was was translated by the King James translators as power. and and But there's actually two words that are translated as power, and pastors talked about it before. There was dunamis and there was exousia. In this case, it was exousia. But in Luke the ninth chapter, he called his twelve disciples together and gave them dunamis and exousia. He gave them both. There is a difference. Now, one of the things... That well, let's let's just kind of explain this. Power is the raw ability to do something. Authority is the right to do it. That's and one of the the um, 
prime examples, of course, is, it, we've talked about it before, is law enforcement. And, but power without this authority is abuse. Think about it. While authority without power is pointless. Uh, just for instance, I'm just going to give this as an example. If you're, a, if you're a teacher or even a former teacher, you know what I'm talking about. If you're in the school system, you've given, been given authority over a group of young children. But it seems like in, in our society now that all that power that the teachers previously had has been taken away. So you have authority. You just don't have any power to go along with it. So a better example of power and authority would be a police officer who has both authority and power. Now the authority is given to him when he goes through the proper training, he goes through the police academy, he learns what he has to do and what he needs to do, what's the proper thing to do, and after he goes through all of that and he passes all of his exams and he knows what to do in, in the situations and, and how to take care of it in situations... Then he takes an oath of, of um, a commitment. And after that oath of commitment is, is administered to him, then he is given not only the authority, but he's given the power to go along with it. He's given his sidearm, his, uh, it may be uh, tasers or, or pepper spray or whatever that they carry with them. But it, it would be kind of pointless to say that, that a police officer has a police officer has authority and you put him out on the streets and all he's got is these two hands and a radio. He's pretty much without any ability to, to do anything. But he's given that power and that authority. And what do we, what do we recognize as the symbol of a police officer's authority? The badge, that's correct. But what do we recognize, for the most part, the symbol of his, his power in this point? His gun or his taser or whatever. Uh, you know, it's just it's something to, to be able to enforce that authority that, that, he, that he's trying to, to enforce. And, and the, the badge is the symbol of that authority and that they're an agent. You know, uh, I've got a friend of mine that's the police chief of uh, Beaumont, police department and uh you know when i'm around him you don't think about him being a, a policeman he's just he's just a friend you know but there are times when my friend pulls out his his badge and he becomes an agent of the beaumont police department he is authorized by the beaumont police department to make arrest if he has to and then if that's not enough then he also has a sidearm that he can he can fall back on, and in the case of of Mr. Singletary in his younger years, uh, he was pretty well trained in martial arts as well. So uh, uh, he might not look like it now, but he used to be pretty bad. <laughs> so anyway, they're given all this gear, so to speak, to enforce the authority that they're given. Now, what's going to happen? If somebody has power, but they're not given the proper authority, we talked about it being abuse, that kind of falls under the, the guise of, of vigilantism or, or uh, you know, 
we, we see a lot of militias that they, you know, they go out and we're going to stop this from happening and that from happening. And they have plenty of firepower, but they have no authority. So it has to work together for it to work right. Power and authority. And, and it's, it's interesting that, that Jesus did this. He, he called them first, called them together and gave them the power and authority. And then he sent them out. So we're going to look at something. While Jesus was on earth, his mission really had two objectives. And objective number one was to teach the kingdom. I mean, you know, teach that, that, that we're all part of the family of God, that, that he wants relationship with, that he, he and the Father want relationship with us, that it's, that he, he came to teach that and preach that. But the second part of that objective, or the second objective to that mission, was to teach the disciples to be like the teacher. He wanted wants us to be like Him. And that goes all the way back to Genesis, the first chapter. I believe it's verse 26, whenever the Father says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. He's always wanted us to be like Him. Even back in, in that early in, in our history, in Genesis, He wanted us to be like Him. Let us make man like us. And so, I, I just have to believe that I that as soon as he said this, that, that the, the plan was put into operation, that Jesus would come, that he would teach us to be more like him. So, this calling together that we just read about in, in Luke chapter 9 was probably about two years into the teaching that Jesus had uh, had began to teach his disciples. Now, I think he was with them about three and a half years, and this was about year two. And so, what do you think he was doing? Well, if you're a teacher or, or ever worked as a teacher or even gone to school, and, and you know, some of us are old school, so I'm going to use old school terminology here. You know, you do you remember achievement test where you went through the year and then Sometime during the year, you took a test to, to find out how much you had retained and how much you had learned and, and, you know, how well the teacher was doing and, okay, do we need to go back and review some of this stuff? So this is kind of, I think you could call this, uh, their achievement test because it's two years into his ministry. So he calls them to, together. He gives them power and authority. And he sends them out. So this is their achieve, achievement test. Now, if we look in the previous chapter, Luke chapter 8, we can see where Jesus clearly, clearly showed his disciples the power that he possessed. Now, I'm going to call this practical application. Because, okay, it's been two years into the ministry. He's taught them a lot of things. He, uh, they, they've been to the Sermon on the uh, Mount with him. They've heard all the things that, that needed to be taught, you know. So, okay, here's practical application. I can just uh, imagine in my mind Jesus saying, okay, guys, we're really going to see what you know now. So if we look in, in Luke chapter 8, and, and starting in like verse 22 um, through verse 24, we find out that Jesus had gotten on a boat 
and they're going to cross the Sea of Galilee, and, and the disciples are there with him. Well, Jesus, he just goes and takes a nap, right? It's okay with him. And a storm comes up. What happens? Everybody gets afraid, right? The storm's coming up. It said that, the, it actually says in the scripture that they were in peril, you know, and they were all afraid the boat's being swamped and the water coming in, and they're all, you know, they go wake Jesus up. Lord, do you not care if we perish? And, 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 you know, Jesus calmly gets up. I can just imagine it being calmly because the scripture really doesn't say he did anything except arose and rebuked the storm. Now, when he rebuked the storm, what happened? The storm calmed down. The, the, the waves quit crashing around. The wind quit blowing. And then he turns around and he says, where is your faith? Uh, you know, now this is two years into the, to his teaching. Where's your faith? You've been around all this. You've seen all this. So he rebuked the storm and it calmed down. Now, they just barely get to the other side. And uh, they went to a, a, a city called, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Gedarinus. And uh, there was a, a man there who was possessed by a legion of demons. So immediately this man sees Jesus coming and the demons in him rush out and say, what are, what are you doing here? What, what, you know, what are you coming here for? They were afraid they were going to be cast back to the, to the pit. That's what the Scripture says. They begged not to be cast back to the pit. And Jesus dealt with them there. And you know you, the story how he, he cast them into a, a herd of swine and they went charging down the cliff and, and drowned all the swine, which was not a popular thing because these the, the Jewish people weren't really supposed to be swine producers, but, you know, it was money. So anyway, that was not a popular thing to happen. But here it is. He calmed the storm. He cast out demons. And, and so they went back to Galilee because it wasn't a popular thing that he did. They were angry at him because he cast the, the demons into the swine and they killed themselves. So they told, they asked him, didn't say it politely, but they, they asked him if he would please go back to where he came from. So they went back to Galilee. They, they walk into the city from, from the lake, from out of the, out of the boat. And on their way that they're walking, this man approaches them and says that he has this daughter that's very ill. And so they're on their way to his house. Now, on the way to his house, something very interesting happens. There was a lady that had been had a prolonged sickness. She'd been sick for a long time. This is the lady with the issue of blood that she'd spent all of her fortune, the Bible says, trying to get doctors to, to do something to, to heal her. So on the way, she said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And so got all these people around him. They're all thronging around him. He's walking. And the, the Bible, the Scripture tells us he felt virtue go out. He was in tune with the Spirit enough to know something had happened in the Spirit. And he said, who touched me? Now people are all around him. Think of yourself the last time you went to a, a, a public outing, football game or, or the theater or whatever, and you're on the way out, you know, and all these people are, are, are pushing and bouncing against you. 
he turned around and said, who touched me? And it's like, well, Jesus, there's all these people around. He said, yes, but I know somebody touched me. And, 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 and to me, that's a key because with all the things that are going on, Jesus is, can always touch us in the midst of all this turmoil and all this strife and everything that's going on. He's always willing to touch the individual. And so He does. And, or she touched Him, actually. And she was healed. And then immediately after that happened, they continued on the way to Jairus' house, who's the one that had the little 12-year-old daughter that was sick. And on the way, somebody came out to meet him and said, well, don't worry about it, Master. The, the little girl's already dead, so don't bother the Master any longer, you know. And, and Jesus said, you know, we're going to do it my way. Just, you know, she's only asleep. Well, they, they laughed and they scorned and they mocked and whatever. He goes in, he sends everybody else out, and he raises her from the dead. Now, I say this is practical application because Jesus clearly showed his disciples power and authority over the natural realm, the wind and the seas. Over the spiritual realm, he cast out the demons. He has power and authority over disease and power and authority over death. So he gave them this whole thing in Luke, the eighth chapter, all of this happened in a span of, uh, of a day or, or two days, just a matter of uh, 24 to 48 hours. And then in chapter nine, he calls them to, to himself, calls them together, and he gave them power and authority and sent them out. Now, I call this a short training mission. Think about it. Because he sent them out and he said, okay, you've seen how to do it now. This, you know, two years into it, this is your achievement test. Go, preach, teach, heal. So, they were called and they were sent. Now, if you'll notice the logical progression in, in Luke the ninth chapter that we read there, he called them together and gave them power and authority, and then he sent them. Now, it had been a, a poor teacher to send them out unprepared, to send them out without the power, to send them out without the authority. And that's not what we want to do. Uh, we don't want to go out there. I don't want to go out there without power and authority. But see, thank God, Jesus delegates that. Now, all the while that they had seen him, in the previous 48 hours before that, they saw him not only calm the storm, he cast out the demons, he healed the sick, he raised the dead. He, they saw all of that, but the whole time that he was doing that, he was still preaching the main objective, and that was the kingdom of God. And that's what disciples have to do. No matter what you think your mission is, disciples' mission is to make more disciples preach the kingdom of God. Yes, I know we've been given authority. Yes, we've been given power. But the main objective is to teach the kingdom, to be like the master. So it seemed that in Luke the 10th chapter, we're not going to go over there. I'm just, we're just going to talk about it a little bit. In Luke the 10th chapter, we find that Jesus sent 
some others out. As a matter of fact, he sent out about 70 more. He authorized them. Scripture says that he, that he authorized them and he gave them authority and power and sent them out. And they went out two by two. You read it in Luke, the 10th chapter. The two by two, they went out and they came back rejoicing. Does anybody know what they came back rejoicing about? Do you remember? That the demons even were subject to them. Yeah. He said that we, we're so happy that even the demons are subject to us. But Jesus says, He said, yes, I know, I've given you authority, exousia, over snakes or serpents and scorpions, and I've given you exousia over the dunamis of the enemy. Which is interesting. The devil has the power. He just doesn't have the authority. Now get that. So he's got power, but he doesn't have authority. You've got authority and power. And the scripture says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you know why that you're greater? Because you have the power and the authority. So, he said in... in um, Let me look. I, I got a note here. I better look at that before I... Oh, okay. I, I didn't skip it. <laughs> in in uh, John, the 14th chapter, there was some concern. This, this was at the Last Supper. You know, right before Jesus was, was arrested and crucified, they had the supper in, in, in the Jerusalem. And this was what we generally call the Last Supper. In John, the 14th chapter, there was some concern because Jesus was saying that He was going away. And so there was, you know, all these disciples are thinking, oh, the, the master's leaving. Well, now this is like a year and a half after they've had their training mission. So they, they should be comfortable by now, right? So there's still some concern there. But John, the 14th chapter, and I'll just read it to you in verse 12. It said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, I'm going to ask this question. How is it possible that we can do greater works than Jesus? Does anybody have a clue with that? How is it possible? Okay, let's go back now to Luke, the 10th chapter. Instead of sending out 12 that were authorized and empowered, he sent out 70 that were authorized and empowered. Now, does it make sense that 70 can do greater things than 12? That's the only way we can do it. It's by numbers. Just numbers. We do greater things than He did. It'll be because His disciples are in a greater uh, force out there that, that it's no longer just Jesus doing this. It's no longer just the original 12 disciples. It's not even any longer the 70 that He sent out. It's It's... Generation after generation of disciples, people who are true, consistent followers of Jesus Christ. Now, there is a difference between a follower and a disciple, by the way. There were plenty of them that followed along the way and they, and, and they fell off. And by the way, those are the ones that are not empowered and they're not authorized. If you are a follower, you're not really authorized. You have to be discipled. Because if we look at Scripture, it's scriptural that He authorizes and He empowers disciples, not followers. 
Now that's, you know, I, I'm not trying to teach new doctrine. I'm just saying that, that, you know, there are a lot of folks out there that say I'm a Christian and some of those same folks that say they're a Christian, I don't want them praying for me. I want somebody that's authorized and empowered to pray for me. Therefore, I want a disciple praying for me. So anyway, the only way that we can do greater works than Jesus is simply by numbers. The power of God, it, it, the power of God is unique. Uh, Mark is an electrician. He, he can kind of relate to this better than I can. But if you take a generator, and, and it's a power generator, and it's putting out all sorts of power, and I put two users on it, no problem. I put 10 users on it. No problem. But the more users that I put on the generator, the more power is taken out of that generator and, and the less ability of that generator to continue to supply power to the more users that I put into it. But the power of God is unique in the respect that the more the user input, the greater the power becomes. If there's two users, that's great. Well, it's simply you go to the Scripture where it says that if one can chase a 1,000, two can chase 10,000. So if you've got 10,000, how many can they chase? You know, so the, the power of God is unique in that it, it multiplies, it doesn't divide. So John the 14th chapter, once again, verses 13 and 14, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name... I will do it. Why is it important that we ask in the name of Jesus? Anybody know? That's my badge. That, that's, that's, what I, that's my authority. If I ask it in the name of Jesus, that, that defines me as a, an agent of the kingdom of God. Just like the, the police officer out here, if he pulls you over, and if he's, even if he's off-duty, and he pulls you over doing something wrong, and he flashes his badge, that identifies him as a member of the Beaumont Police Department, and you've just been arrested. Uh, you may not go to jail, but you've been stopped. In other words, he has the authority to retain, to uh, detain you. So, when we ask anything in his name, we are identifying ourselves as agents of the King, uh, agents of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has already told us that He says, I have all authority in heaven and in earth. So we already know that. So when we ask in His name, that gives us all authority in heaven and earth. Now, one of the things that we need to understand and and there's been a lot of teaching down through the years that this power and this authority died with the with the uh, apostles or the or the the disciples and that's not true because if we read in in John chapter 17 if you're familiar with John chapter 17 you know that that's the prayer that Jesus prayed for all of the people that that were around his his loved group He's praying for His disciples. And I'm going to read verse 18 through uh, verse 22. It says, As you sent Me, this is Jesus praying to the Father, As you sent Me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now He's talking about the twelve right here. He sent them out. 
and to 70 as well. He said, but I do not pray, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, every one of these people that touches someone, then he's praying for those people that has been touched. Everyone that has been made a believer and, and a disciple, he's praying for them as well. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They may also, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Now let's stop right there. The word glory right there could have maybe been translated a little bit better. I looked it up and, and that particular word is a mindset or opinion. So let's read it as a mindset. <coughs> Excuse me. And the mindset which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus prayed not only for His immediate disciples, not only for the 70 that He sent out, but He was praying for every single one of us that down through the years has received the Word through preaching, through teaching. So, when He's talking about in Matthew 28 to go into all the world and make disciples, He's talking to you and I. We're, we're disciples now. If you are truly following Christ, if you're trying to, to be just like the Master, just like the Teacher, then that's what a disciple is. It, it's, it's the one being taught trying to be like the one who's doing the teaching. So if you're a disciple, and I'm a disciple, we're going forth and we're making that same progress. We're making disciples. And Jesus has prayed for every single one of us because He could see down through the tunnel of time where we have no idea who it's going to touch, who it will impact. We may never know until we get to heaven who we've had impact on in this life. But Jesus could see down through that time and He understands. So, when it says that you've been given authority, you've been given the same authority. Now, some of you have already heard about what's going on in my life, and you must all of you know that that what I'm dealing with and what I'm I'm coming up against. And one day, in my quiet time, I was praying, and the Lord told me, He said, "Speak to that cancer." He said, "Curse it in my name." His name is what? That's my authority. He said, "Curse it in my name." He said, because I have that authority. And go back to Matthew 28. I have all authority in heaven and earth. He said, I have that authority and so do you. And it was like a light coming on for me. I, I had it up here. I mean, you know, I, I've read it. I've heard people preach on it. I, I, I had it here. But somehow I didn't make the trip to here. And all of a sudden, it was like a revelation word. Well, yeah, I do have that authority. And from that day forward, I began to speak to this thing. And there's some things going on. But I can say this, that the last time that they checked it, it was, it was shrinking. You know, 
And uh, they're doing some things right now to to aid that and to to speed up that. But at that time, it was like, oh, and I was about to go into radiation. By the way, uh, Trisha and I were getting ready one morning, and uh, I think we had an afternoon appointment over in MD Anderson. They were going to start me on radiation. And the doctor called from from MD Anderson and said, you know what? said, we're looking at this thing. It's shrinking a little bit. said, let's just wait on this and see, you know. And I'm, I'm, I started laughing. And uh, it's like, uh, okay. And, you know, and they didn't want me to be upset. I said, you don't understand. I'm not upset. And, and I, it would be a little difficult to explain to them that the Lord had spoken to me and said, you know, curse it in my name because I have that badge of authority that he gave me. I was standing one morning and shaving, real spiritual thing. Just, you know, you, you think about all the spiritual things you do and, and I'm standing there shaving and all of a sudden I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. Crazy, I know. And he said, you know, when you pass from this life, it's not going to be cancer that takes you out. And I'm, I'm standing and I'm looking at my razor and I'm thinking, did I really hear that? And it wasn't but just a couple of days later, doctor called me from MD Anderson. And he said, now, going through all these things that they were going to do, you know. And, uh, and I said, well, we're just listening. And all of a sudden, he says this sentence. Now, keep in mind what I said. It's not, it's not going to be the cancer that takes you out. He said, now, I don't want you to be upset. He said, I don't want you to be concerned because what we're going to do is make sure that it's not going to be cancer that takes you out of this world. And I just started laughing. Trisha and I both, we had him on speakerphone, and, and he thought we were, I guess, going out of our minds, you know. <laughs> but it was the same phraseology. I have authority. Not my authority. It's Jesus' authority. It's His message. It's, it all belongs to Him, and He gives it to me only if I choose to be a disciple. And that's where I want to be. And that's where I hope you want to be. And so as we close tonight, I don't even know what time it is. I don't care. The Lord's, you know, the Lord's done. As we close, I just want to pray that you receive authority and power in your life the way you want it to be. Because I, I feel like we need to desire it. Not because it's power and authority, but because it's being a disciple. It's being where Jesus wants us to be. Father, we present ourselves to you, Lord. Lord, and I'm afraid I may not have passed all the exams, Lord, if, if I'd have been taking the same test as, as your disciples in that day. But Lord, bless your holy name. You're long-suffering, you're forgiving, and Lord, you give authority and power to your disciples. You gave, Lord, the ability to overcome the serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Father, and if we, if we learn to trust you and your word, O oh God, you said whatever we ask in your name, you will do it. And for that, Lord, I give you praise. Because I know it's not my authority. And I know it's not my power. But Lord, I trust in the fact that I am your agent. And I give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.